1: welcome to it great to be with you on a Thursday it's hail varsity radio presented by the Nebraska lottery Chris Schmidt Elijah Herbel and you loaded up we'll check in with Brandon Vogel who brother went overtime with the latest hail varsity magazine issue his story as he was uh, able to rank all all of the Nebraska Big Ten games since uh, the big red joined what a What an undertaking. We'll step through that uh, with Brandon Vogel, get his take. Can't wait to see and read that story. In Hour 2, the uh, pride of the Buffalo Bills, a proud member of the Bills, Jeremiah Searles, going to be with us. We'll talk playoff football with him, some Husker football thoughts with Searles. Uh, Gary Barnett will join us. We'll talk more about quarterbacks and the portal. And uh, Coach Barnett will uh, talk a little NFL with us as well. Because it it is flat out a juicy weekend of quarterback matchups, and uh, man, it, this time of year is incredible. Just spitballing with Junior. If uh, if Cincy gets to the AFC title game and Kansas City wins, it'd be a fun roadie next weekend. We will make Mama pay for that, uh, and then Denny Burke Burke's best bets uh, with Veasan Sports Network numbers to get in today four six six three seven seven six. Four six six three seven seven six, eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Can email Chris at hailvarsity dot com, and uh, can always follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore Radio Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. So plenty of news and notes to get to a Junior Day for Nebraska football tomorrow. Uh, who's going to be in town for that? We'll lay that out there. Uh, some thoughts with. Uh, just what Casey Thompson can be for Nebraska. We'll dive in there in a moment. But you, you've had some breaking news today with the NSAA and get to start off with some high school ball. And uh, you had a lengthy meeting today. Good reporting here by Luke Mullen uh, out of the Journal Star with this. And the board of directors for the Nebraska School Activities Association had a meeting today. I think it started at 10.00. And a vote was taken by the board of directors that Gretna must vacate their twenty twenty-one football state championship. You're asking yourself how, the, how how does that happen? Why? Well, they used an ineligible player. So you had uh, the Dragons take out West Side in that defensive struggle, seven to three. They survived Lincoln East. So this year we'll have no Class A state champion. Let's dive into this and give you two reasons as to why you'd have to vacate a championship. What would deem a player ineligible? Clearly there are transfer rules and a window where you got to sit out. That isn't this. It's one of two things, okay? Either the player's too old, 19's the cutoff, or you didn't have a player pass enough classes to be eligible. This happened when I was in high school with a different sport. It was golf, and I think the the Southeast golf team did really well, but they had a player that was playing. He was a freshman, but playing up on varsity, and the golf run Southeast went on, and I'm not sure if they won state or where they placed, whatever, it, it came down to, to the academic side of things. And this guy was a buddy of mine. He didn't end up passing enough classes as a freshman. So the success and progress was, was taken away. You got Michigan when it comes to, to vacated. Elijah, you played high school ball. You're part of some playoff runs. This is this is such a punch in the face to Gretna, and you're sad. You're you're also in, on on the other side of this fence feeling for West Side and other teams that Gretna beat to get to the state championship game and win it. You feel sick for all parties here because you don't want to you don't want to get a championship that way the vacation or the vacating and you don't want to absolutely have what you worked all season for taken away. And there's, there's been instances where the NSAA's had to rule on appeals when it comes to age. And in some of those instances, it's been a kid that uh, might be older or turn 20 before uh, the season's end. Okay. Or a certain point in high school, and those instances, those appeals usually center around a kid and his earlier academic challenges. If there's some special education that's been involved, all right, and uh, a lot of times coaches will will want a kid to, to be part of it and and to to play or just have that that team structure. So the news is this: is Gretna uh, has had to vacate their their Class A championship and high school football and, and Stu
2: pospicell just r- released an article here a few minutes ago uh, reporting that the player in question did not live his primary residence was not in gretna was in fact in papillion and uh, that would be a, a case i think of then they'd be worried about recruiting <laughs> that a player who was not from gretna so, was playing on the gretna football team
1: uh so Stu says it's a it's a it's a boundary thing huh Mm-hmm. but Mm. And the the Gretna
2: argument was that uh, he lived with separated parents and his father, in fact, lived in Gretna. His mother lived in Papillion, but they didn't officially change the, the primary residence for the, the son.
1: So you want to talk about a, the, the mother of technicality. So I just said there's two things that can get you popped and that's your kid's too old or you don't pass enough. The districting stuff is. Oh, man. And, I'm, I, and I know what the letter of the law is supposed to say with, all right, you live in this district. Well, let's be real. And kids don't live across the the street from their high school or within the boundaries necessarily. And you have kids transfer quite a bit for different reasons, some of it academic, some of it athletic. And you know kids. Maybe you have family friends that have a kid go to a different high school and participate in activities as long as they do it within the appropriate time frame and the kids accepted to school usually it's alright so Stu's saying it was a, a districting thing well that is that's, that's one technicality mm-hmm. I mean, who, who raised it and, and somebody had to raise this objection right and then lay out some evidence and say okay this is illegal. Do we? They aren't going to release the player in question. Uh, there is a name in the article, I believe. Didn't
2: say it. Uh, let me see if I can refine the article again. Okay. They they, uh, they had the family's name at least. Okay. I'm not sure they had the kid's name uh, because the parents are uh, they were apparently separated this season, but not legally separated. Under the letter of the law, so he spent the football season living with his father, who apparently moved down to Gretna mm-hmm. once his parents were separated. It is the the Boganowski family. Okay, uh, he did play in the state championship game against uh, West Side, where he caught uh, six catches for forty seven yards in the title game. It's a good number. It is a good number. Uh, yeah, Tyson Boganowski, a junior who previously played for Papillion La Vista South. Okay, well there you go. And this is controversial. There's some uproar. Now that I see that, I mean, if it's a if it's a, a player being 20 years old and was held back a couple years and is playing in state championship, I, I'd understand maybe. But this just feels overreaching. And it was an eight nothing vote, according to Stu, an eight nothing vote by the NSA
1: board of directors to to keep uh, the title away from Gretna. Wow. Well, we'll um, do some more digging on this and can chime in on that, 466 377 or 800-825-5865. We want to switch gears, and uh, we'll have some junior day thoughts with uh, some of the recruits Nebraska's looking at, specifically quarterbacks for 2023. Uh, let's ask this question here. And you remember Russell Wilson. I remember that game pretty vividly. Nebraska, Wisconsin. The, the, the first Big Ten ball game under the lights for the Big Red, and it didn't go well past halftime for Nebraska against Russell Wilson's team. We have this era of transfer. We have this era of the portal. And one of the first dudes to, to make a splash that really kind of tipped the tables and kicked this whole thing off was Russell Wilson. You know what he's done in Seattle? And quite honestly, he enhanced what had been a management position at Wisconsin, the position of, all right, pro-style quarterback, hand the ball off to a killer running back, have a great offensive line, get J.J. Watt off the edge, play defense. Wisconsin's going to grind you down. They're going to win 24 to to 13, right? And they're going to just bludgeon you for four quarters with their physicality. Well, for the first time in a while, Wisconsin got themselves the dynamic quarterback in the Big Ten. You'd had pretty good quarterback play in the Big Ten for a while, specifically Drew Brees, right, Uh, the Jim Everett's of the world, a lot of Purdue quarterbacks. Uh, You you, you sprinkle in some of the the Michigan guys between Brady and Hanson and Gerbach and some of those cats. But Wisconsin changed the game for a team that went to the Rose Bowl, they finished ten and three. They lost to a really good Oregon team in a shootout. They uh, got upended by Sparty, uh, and uh, they also won uh, a Big Ten championship. He had different divisions then, but Russell Wilson was the the key cog with his skill set and playmaking. You didn't know what you were going to get in Russell Wilson. Okay, he was a grad transfer, probably the first, the most impactful grad transfer for a long time until this new era we're talking about and with russell wilson he was maybe a 500 quarterback or a game or two below 500 a five and seven six and six type guy at north carolina state well he was also playing baseball for the rockies spent time during the summer in double a and had a real uh rub with with his coach so when push came to shove, Russell's like, dude, I'm out. I'm, I'm going to go to Wisconsin. Worked out, came in, voted a captain. Barry's talked about this with his Barry Alvarez. And Barry's like, look, dude, he won his teammates over, hardest worker, best player, yada, yada, yada. And he, he changed the game for Wisconsin. They've not had a quarterback like him since. And while they've had Rose Bowl teams, they were able to have a Rose Bowl team with a very dynamic offense, So, when we talk about Nebraska football, is Nebraska going to be able to get that type of pop? I know Russell Wilson's a hard comparison. But is Casey Thompson, is he that type of guy that can come in, super mature, film nut, all about football, eats right, doesn't drink. I mean, does all the things that prove and show his dedication – and then we've also seen his skill set, his accuracy, and we know he's mobile. He just hasn't ran a lot at Texas because he had a 1,000-yard rusher. Is is Casey the type of guy that can be a Nebraska version of Russell Wilson? And I'm not talking Rose Bowl or knocking on the door of a top-10 ranking. Got to temper that a little bit. The team hasn't won more than five games. But you're, you could get a real difference maker and at quarterback – Look at Joe Burrow. He had a year where I think LSU went 9-3, and 8-4, and something like that his first year. But then you saw it really take off with a second year. And we know what LSU did winning uh, a championship going 15-0 and and a good defense and a great offense with a lot of NFL talent. And Burrow's another recent example of that. You're going to get to hear him Sunday uh, with our NFL coverage. Now, Casey Thompson could do that. Could 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 move Nebraska to a different level in a great way. Uh, the examples are are pretty pretty startling in Nebraska football history. When you get that great quarterback, Tommy Frazier, right? You're knocking on a championship by his sophomore year. Uh, okay, uh, Zach Taylor. Uh, we talk about Zach. Well, Zach stabilized. At least a couple of good years in Nebraska football. He was more than a a, a, a band aid. Uh, he was a, a playmaker and an offensive player of the year. Uh, you even look at uh, Taylor Martinez. T Magic really made Nebraska's offense explosive with the offense that, that Tim Beck had. Uh, and then now we look at uh, Casey Thompson who. Is the guy you bring in because he's experienced? You want him to go win you some ball games. It's win now. Could he have that same effect for Nebraska, where not only do you get over the hump, but you get over the hump quite a bit, and and you've got a game changer at quarterback. And, and I think the the key and, and something that happened with all these quarterbacks, when I think
2: Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, Taylor Martinez, is that. Uh, not only were these guys good fits within the offense, but the coaching staff adjusted their offense to be able to to bring to light the strong suits of this quarterback. Mm-hmm. So it's not just coming down to how well is this quarterback fit. It's it's how well can the coaching staff change their offense, amend it, uh, just to really bring out the the areas that Casey Thompson is good at. And if the coaching staff can do that well and if the, the fit works, then we have potential for that. But uh, still uh, a lot of time for that to be – time will tell, I guess.
1: Is, well, a, yeah, absolutely, and this isn't uh... – overhype or put added pressure. I mean, there's enough pressure to get to a bowl game this year for Nebraska. They went quarterback shopping. They've got a couple to choose from on top of what's on campus and it's going to be a dynamite quarterback battle. Can't wait for it this spring. But that's that's the hope if you're a Nebraska fan, you get your your own version of Russell Wilson and it shakes out in a tremendous season. Brandon Vogel's next on Hale Varsity. of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR.
0: And we're back. Fellas, so, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio,
1: presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
3: Yes! That's awesome!
1: Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, as uh, we hit on the, uh, the topic of Casey Thompson, and uh, can you have a, a pop for Nebraska football similar to Russell Wilson, what he did for Wisconsin, and uh, Joe Burrow, what he did for LSU. I know those are two lofty quarterbacks, a Rose Bowl and a national championship, but Nebraska and uh, quarterback play is, has been uh, kind of make or break uh, since they've joined the Big Ten, an incredible project in the latest Hale Varsity magazine from managing editor Brandon Vogel with us now. at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter is where you find him. And uh, be sure to get his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Vogues, what's up, man? How are you?
4: I'm doing well. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. We will uh, get your take here on, I guess, Outlook here for, for Casey Thompson and we can throw uh, Chuba in there as well, just because they're they're the two new names, right? And uh, the impact here—that's uh, that's a big ask. Can you get that level of quarterback play from an incoming portal guy? But you've seen it work well at two programs in, in the not too distant past. Uh, is that a fair expectation, or? Uh, even thought to have right now with with new quarterbacks added to the Nebraska roster their outlook here is that a lot of pressure to ask about?
4: Probably um, Russell Wilson is probably the the what the, the best you know and this was the further back of the two and, and I think he was one of the first like major graduate yes. transfers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he was he was a pretty good quarterback at NC State and and Wisconsin got him and then he went there and, and had an amazing year. so we're talking like top of the scale Joe Burrow it, it took him a year um, you know I, I remember specifically thinking after his, his first year at LSU I was like okay well that was okay there were some pluses pluses and some minuses there and then in year two he goes on to have one of the best, Seasons for a college quarterback in, in the history of the game. So, um, definitely talking the, the top two well, maybe not the top two, but near the top of, of what's possible for, for a transfer quarterback. Uh, with Casey Thompson, I think the interesting thing to me with, with him is he, he has a different skill set. And, and really, anything, in this isn't a slight at Adrian Martinez whatsoever, but he was Nebraska's quarterback for the entirety of the Scott Prostera to this point. So everything that he was good at doing, the things that maybe he wasn't quite as good at doing, it was like all of it was tailored towards what he was going to, what he was going to be. And now you get a tailor it to somebody else. And how did that, how does that shake out? You know, I think there's some, some really positive parts of, of Casey Thompson's game. You know, I look at, the interse- touchdown-to-interception ratio, 24-9, to nine, looks pretty good from this past season. That said, nine interceptions over 10 games, you're, you're averaging about one a game. So that gives me a little bit of pause. So it, it's not a slam dunk for me, um, kind of either way. I think the, the more interesting part of it is, is like, okay, you've got this new guy with a new skill set. How does that change what you do, and how can you tailor it to him?
1: that's going to be so key and it'll be also interesting to see how that tailoring goes with your your new offensive coordinator but there's yep. had to have been some collaboration uh you're scanning the the portal for all right I like what this kid does uh let's let's try and go get him <laughs> and uh yep. and now let's get your hands on him and, and start working here uh towards spring ball so it, yeah the uh what is possible with the portal, right? Specifically a quarterback for Nebraska. Brandon, uh, quarterback play will no doubt come up in, in your project, your story. Uh, lay it out for folks in the latest issue of Hale Varsity Magazine, what you did, how long it took, and the, uh, what, what punted this off for you? Why, why did you dive in so deep? This sounds like a really, really cool story
4: yeah so i I kind of set out i've I've, I've long wanted and even though you know it's totally subjective it's just my kind of interpretation and opinion of it but like i I long thought it would be useful to kind of look at every nebraska game so i started on this beat in 2011 which happened to be nebraska's first year in the big 10 so it was kind of convenient from that point um and long thought, you know, so we have these games. And, and a lot of games that you, you probably forget. You know, Nebraska beats Florida Atlantic by four touchdowns. And it's like, okay, that went exactly like you thought it would go. Um, but how entertaining was that game? How good of a football game was it? And, and this sort of exists outside of whether Nebraska won or lost. Not entirely, because that matters when you get into, into different games. But just like... Was this enjoyable? Was there something interesting that happened here? Et cetera, et cetera. So what's the score for a game like that? And then what are you know, what's the score for games that all of us kind of remember? And there's there are plenty to choose from this year because all of Nebraska's losses were close. Um, a game like two thousand eleven against Ohio State, where Nebraska gets booed going off going off the field at halftime and then comes back and has the biggest comeback in school history in the second half and wins it. Where does a game like that rate so I set out to do that long because I've, I've always wanted to do it and um, you'll have to read the January issue to, to find out where all those games fell but even if it's just kind of my opinion which it is you end up with all of these scores and then you can kind of do some sorting and poking around and seeing things like if I had to if I had to ask you Chris and Elijah what is the most kind of Entertaining just from a football perspective, not wins or losses. But what's the most entertaining Big Ten series Nebraska has? So, against the Big Ten opponent, like what immediately comes to mind?
1: I, I, there's two. There's, there's two. It's always just some sort of sick, wild, crazy <laughs> ball game against either Northwestern or you're out of alcohol, good or bad, against Sparty.
2: And I would even yeah. add, aside from about a 3 year stretch Iowa there's been a lot of really entertaining games against Iowa you know I know there was like 2011 through 2012 Nebraska was really
1: beating them pretty good but I feels like out of the 10 matches you always remember the 2014 I mean like yeah. because it was a win and then oh how are they going to out of the 10 matches it felt like five <laughs> or six would come years. down to the wire yeah.
4: yeah yeah so so like something even as maybe perhaps Silly is this, like, gives you a way to measure that. And I, I'm kind of with you, like, Chris, the, the first thing I thought of was Northwestern. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know, like, 90% of those games have been close. So I was like, okay, well, I went through and, like, rated all these games. And that's all I tried to do. And then I went back and thought, like, okay, well, what's the average rating? Does this actually match up with reality at all? And, and Northwestern was, it was the highest average game rating in, in the West Division, mm-hmm. Michigan State was number one. Michigan State and Nebraska, when you stop and like go back and look at it, and there's been a couple of clunkers in there for Nebraska, but they've really played some classic games. And then Penn State also showed up, yeah. which not as big yeah. a sample size on them, but you remember those first kind of three, four games in the Big Ten era, all pretty close, all pretty meaningful for, for Nebraska. Iowa, Elijah, uh, and, I, and I agree with what you're saying, it ended up the lowest in, really? in my scores because it's just been a lot of pain for Nebraska, <laughs> particularly of late you, you know you got that 2014 game I think it was the 2012 game where you know Rex Burkhead had been injured and then he comes in and just like guts it out on a terrible windy and cold day where nobody can do anything so you had some good points for for Nebraska there but the past you know, seven years of Iowa just beating Nebraska, both inter- like blowing Nebraska out a couple of times and then just finding a way to continually beat them by a field goal or a touchdown. Ended up putting that one at the bottom. Uh, based on my interpretation.
2: So so, so this is less like, uh, if you think back to the NCAA football games, I'm not sure if you played them, but after every single game you had, which was close, it gave you a, a game grade on the ESPN, like classic games list. Uh, it would make a little yeah. composite. Is it like that, or, or is it more like as a Nebraska fan, uh, you you lose some points if Nebraska were to lose by a field goal in painful fashion?
4: Yeah, it's probably more like the EA sports thing. Okay. Uh, I, I specifically set out, so it's not like, if Nebraska wins, that doesn't automatically mean it's, it's a good score. Um, the, the 2019 game against Northwestern is, is a good one, a good example here, because, you know, we, we remember that game. It's, it's, it's undeniably cool when you have a walk-on defensive back hit the game-winning field goal. Um, memorable finish, you know, carry the guy off the, off the field on your shoulders, that game actually scored pretty low for me because I specifically remember that. And and that was the moment in 2019 where, you know, Nebraska came into that season pretty highly regarded. A lot of people thought they were going to take a jump, myself included. And that was the one where I was like, this wasn't a particularly good Northwestern team. They should have beat this team by more. Um, And I, I remember coming out of that game being like Nebraska's in trouble so, so that one ended up scoring below average for me, even though it was a very memorable and fun day if you were a Nebraska fan. So, it's it's kind of a mix
2: of both. Brandon, I got to ask the question: What was the top game?
1: Read and what find out.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this: It was uh, the the top the top say well the top ten was was dominated by the the Bo Polini era. Okay. Um, I, I gave a clue, in, I think, in my, my first answer to this line of questioning. Um, but you think back to that first year uh, that Nebraska played in the Big Ten, and you can probably run down the scores and, and come up with which one ended up number one.
1: Vogues, I'm going to need I'm going to need like five more minutes on the other side if Junior will let you do that. <laughs> that good? Yep. Okay, so Brandon Vogel's story goes through all of the big 10 ball games for Nebraska and we go down and, and he we uh, I'm just gonna <laughs> I have nothing to do with it other than just smile about it, but uh, he kind of ranks them and he, real quick Vogues here, you, you wanted to, to score him like is it, what, is it out of 10 bud? Is it out of five? about 30 seconds here before we got to take a timeout but how did you how did you rate him?
4: Yeah, we're on a 0.0 to 10.0 scale. So a a 10.0 is uh, the the highest score possible. 0.0 is the lowest. Nebraska did not, in my opinion, hit a 10.0, but they definitely hit a (laughs) 0.0. And you can probably remember that game, too.
1: Hang on, uh, Vogues. We'll be with you uh, about two minutes here. And I want to get into uh, to, to one of the, the series in the Big Ten that you dove, in, you, you dove deep into. Brandon Vogel with us, managing editor, hailvarsity.com and Magazine. Uh, more thoughts as he went through all the Big Ten games for the Big Red. Hale Varsity continues.
5: Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity radio show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR.
0: And now,
1: and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel and Brandon Vogel staying on with us here. His feature in the upcoming Hale Varsity Magazine. He goes through all the Big Ten ball games and rates them. What's most memorable with uh, so many of those Encounters at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. And can subscribe, HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe. His podcast, I-80 Preview, also nominated for uh, one of the top sports uh, podcasts uh, in college football this year. So, bravo to Vogues. Vogues, I want to jump in to the Spartan series. As weird as Northwestern was, Michigan State always just trades punches with Nebraska, and it's man, it's it's incredible. From this year's overtime and zero first down second half to uh, the escorted out of bounds, and Riley makes a sweet catch over number five in college football playoff bound. The Antonio, I thought he was going to annihilate about three officials, and then the Alonzo Moore almost nineteen point Riley. Man, that that game in fourteen.
4: Yeah, when you when you really stop and go back and look at it, there's there's a, there's a lot of those in there. And I thought, you know, actually that that game in 2015, which was kind of the lone true bright spot of that season, certainly mm-hmm. in in conference play, actually ended up rating lower than than I thought it would. And you know, I kind of as I sat there and mold the score that I gave it, I was like, eh, you know, this was nice, but. It, it kind of came from nowhere, and, and you had the call at the end where, you know, Nebraska fans are, are happy it went the way that it did, could have easily gone the other way. So, honestly, the highest Michigan State game, and so this is one, you know, kind of going back to what Elijah was asking, uh, where the Nebraska perspective, I think, comes into play a lot. Not, the highest rated Michigan State game was when, when Bo Polini and the Huskers beat a top-10 Michigan State team 24-3. Because I think if you're a Nebraska
1: Oh, yeah, the like, Cousins the, 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 game. The, yeah. yeah, the, the Cousins, yeah. they the killed best
4: them. Game, the, the best game that you're going to have is when Nebraska comes in, or while well, they're at home, but they play a team that matters, and they kind of control play the entire time. I mean, it's the thing that's been missing, really, since since that point. It's Nebraska's last win over a top-10 team. And, and they came in, and dominated that. They almost had a shutout. You know, I think Michigan State got that field goal at the end of the second half, but but minus that, Nebraska totally controlled that game, and they they looked like a really really good team. And you know, those 2011 and tw- 2011 and 2012 teams were really really good. You have the, the Jamal Turner game, which I was <laughs> yes. fortunate fortunate to cover in in person, and that was uh, an amazing game as well. But points for for just going out and uh beating a really good team. So that's actually the one that ended up on top for
1: me. Yeah, I mean they they handcuffed that squad fierce. I mean they they killed them. Now, here's what sucks. I remember that game and it was it was really cool to to see Nebraska do that if you're a big red fan. I just remember what the hell the following week back to Northwestern. <laughs> you get a freaking 3-win Northwestern team come in and sting you.
4: Yep, Ken Coulter goes nuts. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that that Michigan State team had Le'Veon Bell, too. Um, Yeah, no, I know. You have have the benefit of hindsight where you're like, wow, this guy was a really good pro, and and Nebraska held him three points. Um, But, yeah, that was kind of the the overall tenor of of the Polini era, and not so much early on, although that one, that game against Northwestern really might have been the first sign of it of kind of, you know, Nebraska came in. So they came in pretty high off the Big 12, as we all remember, and, and they had to adjust. And the Big Ten, Big Ten's just different. It's, it's a league where even a three-win Northwestern team, like if you don't play your best, they're going to beat you. And I think that's still something Nebraska's adjusting to.
1: Last thought here, Voges. We'll let you get out. Um, of all the games you've traveled to and covered, is – is there one season over another that's been more memorable? Do you look at last year because of how how uh, masochistic it was in one score <laughs> games? Do you look at 14 with, wow, Nebraska was so close to, to, to winning uh, 11 games that year. They, they were up in some of those horrible losses where they got blown out. Yeah. They were up double digits. Do you look at the, the cardiac factor in 2012? I look at 13 with two road wins, you know, that, that were impressive at Michigan, at Penn State, in overtime in a blizzard. Does the first yeah. season burn into your mind? What season is kind of a wow factor for you?
4: I would say the game that probably sticks with me the most is that first Big Ten game. You know, you went on the road to Wisconsin and all of us, you know, Nebraska fans and Nebraska media members really had no idea what to expect, and you go there, and you're like, okay, uh, so this is Big Ten football. I, you know, I know some Nebraska fans didn't have a great experience with that game, but from just a football perspective, and like being in a new place, I thought it was pretty great for for a season. I think it's that that 2012 year because you know Nebraska pulled out. It was kind of the opposite of 2020, 2021, um, in that they pulled out so many of those close games, and they ended up going to the national, or not the national, to the conference title game. Mm. And I, I specifically remember thinking, oh, Nebraska's going to hammer this Wisconsin team. <laughs> like, you know, Wisconsin wouldn't even have been there if it weren't for the fact that Ohio State, Penn State couldn't be, and they'd beaten Wisconsin that you know earlier that year in a pretty close game, and boy, did it go the other way. So as I wrote in the magazine for this feature, uh, it was the last time I was actually confident about anything
1: vogues well we'll we'll see if that confidence returns my friend thanks for joining us for an extended segment today
4: yes thank you
1: all right brandon vogel managing editor hail and magazine that's good stuff can't wait to read that i went to the front desk here at the station and i'm like where's my hail varsity and uh, it's not here yet hmm. sadness
2: i have noticed that uh I'm not, never mind, never mind. What's up? Oh, I was just, just going to say, I I, I didn't want to encourage any porch pirates, but sometimes we do have packages to just sit in front of the, the station for a day. I've noticed okay. that. Okay, well, maybe I need to go
1: outside. <laughs> 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 Instead of someone you know, delivering it to me in slippers, right? Uh, okay, so NFL uh, on the radar here. Jeremiah Searles, uh, our uh, favorite Husker sideline guy, and uh, longtime NFLer, played uh, in Buffalo, played in Minnesota. Uh spend time in carolina, of course uh with uh, the Chargers as well, so which underdog is most likely to pull off an upset in the divisional round? Well, check in with Danny Burke Burke's best bets from Vicent Sports network, but you have four dogs that are playing really good football right now. You have the bills who I know they had some roller coaster times. The, the end of this season, but they look great and may have uh, Chiefs fan will argue with that but, but I don't it, it's either Mahomes or Allen that are playing their best football right now. There's the oh that was impressive San Francisco 49ers to go in in Dallas. The Rams have so many weapons and then you have the new kids that are hot and really just don't know any better. Their first rodeo with so much talent in Cincinnati, Burrow, Chase, uh, but the Rams with what they have on both sides of the football. Chew on that. We'll come on back and wind down hour one next.
0: And now, and
1: now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Dynamite basketball tonight. Jeff Moats will have it. And it is Northeast and Lincoln Southwest locally. I believe that's over on KFOR. Yeah, and great game here uh, locally
2: on ESPN Lincoln as well as we have, uh, I believe it's York in town taking on Waverly. So that's a yep. top five
1: matchup in class. It B. is. Connor Clark will have that for you. So Connor on the call tonight. Yeah, yep, that's okay. what I thought. So uh, catch local high school ball. Uh, some more fallout here with Gretna having to vacate their Class A title. And uh, you have Gretna superintendent, Rich Barron, said the district was very disappointed. We can translate that for you. Uh, that's me talking, not, not the superintendent, but very disappointed by the NSAA ruling. And a quote here with the World Herald and uh, Stu Pospisil on this coverage. They live in our district, the boy and his dad, but because we don't have an official document that's what they're nailing us on. So what was the impetus for this?
2: Mm.
1: What is causing research, investigation, questioning, and then ultimately vac- vacating a title? It, it comes down to a kid, per your, your uh, input here, Elijah, whose folks are separated, and mom lives in Patbio, dad lives and moved to Gretna, and a, a kid that didn't have a Gretna address, fair to say, was playing ball. It wasn't academics, which you lose or or can have forfeiture because uh, you're playing an, an illegal player. Why is a kid illegal? He's illegal based on where he lives now, and that's always been a a rule. Or you at least have to have that window of of transfer time, mm-hmm. right? I believe during my time in, at, at Southeast, I think it was. It was either 60 days or 90 nice. days. 60 or 90, right? You're, you know, the kids failed too many classes, so he wasn't eligible, wasn't academically eligible, or he's too old. 19's the cutoff. This is new. Um, and this this seems pretty, God, I don't want to say petty, but in the world and climate we live in with transfers, you can hate transfers all you want. But it is happening, okay? You have recruiting, you have transfers. That's the way of the world, and you're going to enforce this now and strip a title. You think Gretna should get popped for this? Should lose their Class A championship? They won on the field against West Side. and the kid that that is in question here, the family that's in question. He had about six catches for forty-seven yards. Good, good player but not household name player. I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying it wasn't like it was a star running back that was carrying the football for 300 yards to force your way into a championship. Well, what's interesting is, I'm not sure if
2: the NSA thinks they're doing something here, but they're, they're, they're letting the players keep their medals, but they're taking the championship away from the School. school. So, uh, that, but at the end of the day, that's still punishment for the players. Is they can't come back twenty years from now and have that night of honor and say, "Hey, we're honoring our twenty twenty one. Still people. have it.
1: There's just no picture by the trophy case, and they don't get
2: to bring that trophy out for the the night. It just, it's it's they took away a championship, four years of hard work for a lot of these kids based on a technicality, and I hate that. Yeah, that that seems. But what
1: what what's what the, the, started the, the, this process is what I want to know. Who knew something? And went to the NSAA and said, hey, we've got a situation here with an illegal player. That's what I'm curious about. The punishment doesn't seem to fit the crime. No, and that's, a, that's the take. Okay, Jeremiah Searles will lay out some NFL, some Husker thoughts. Gary Barnett next hour. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com Just go to hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of hail Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Thanks for hanging out. Hour two at Tale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Some more on this uh, Gretna Class A football title vacation or being vacated. I want to call it uh, vacation. It's been anything but for folks in Gretna today. NFL on our mind. Husker football thoughts. We welcome in our favorite sideline man, Jeremiah Searles, joining us at Searles71 underscore HSKR. He is going to be jumping on tables maybe this weekend. I, I don't know. Searles, is that part of the uh, the plan? Is that part of the weekend festivities for you with your Bills uh, going to Arrowhead?
6: Man, I wish it was. Uh, if I wasn't going to be in L.A. for the NFL PA Bowl, I would 100% be in Kansas City going through tables supporting Bills Mafia. But I will be on a plane to L.A. on Sunday.
1: Well, at least it'll be, you know, five degrees. Plus a thousand compared to here, but I know you're a cold weather guy. Before we dive into to the NFL slate this weekend, brother, get us caught up. You've been uh, you and Johnny Cash been everywhere, man. Been traveling.
6: Yeah, man. So uh, again, I was got certified as an NFL agent this year, so I'm running the gauntlet of senior games. I was in Dallas and Orlando uh, two, uh, last week for the CGS game in the Hula Bowl, and then I was just up in Minnesota because I have uh, four of my guys training up there. And then again I leave Sunday here for the NFL PA bowl. I'll be there till Thursday. And then I fly out to Vegas for the Shrine Bowl where I'm there till Monday. And then I head home and it's right back to the grind, man, getting guys ready to go for combine prep and pro days and helping guys try and get to the next level.
1: That is awesome. Jeremiah Searle's with us, Hail Varsity City Radio, our favorite sideline man and NFL vet and certified agent. So what is your Words of wisdom. What are the words you tell kids uh, as they get ready for this next step? You lived it.
6: Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me is it's really easy for kids in this process with the way that the college football era is right now to be focused on a lot of the wrong things. And by wrong things, I mean endorsements, off the field, NIL, all that happy horse crap that goes on in college. When you get to the NFL, just because you were the man at college, the NFL doesn't care about that anymore. Their whole sole purpose on all 32 teams is, can you help us win a championship? Can you play and contribute and help us win a championship? And if you can't check both those boxes, they don't care what your brand is. They don't care what your website is. Like, none of that crap matters. And so our big focus at our agency is helping guys understand this is still a football-first league. You get one shot at this thing, and to really put all your chips into the football side and the off-the-field stuff will come to you afterwards. But I think a lot of guys get it backwards with the agents that are in their ears.
1: Is it difficult to, to, to connect that message? You are right. You're absolutely right. But it is – a lot of it's about branding now, and you, you get uh, the gravy before you eat your vegetables, so to speak.
6: Yeah, it's tough because, again, with the landscape of college football changing to where these kids are making money off of their brand and their social media presence in the college world, like, telling them, like, hey, that's all great, but, like, you need to shift your focus to this specific thing, Uh, it's a message that it gets across with a lot of guys really well, but with certain other guys, it just doesn't resonate. And that's kind of part of being the agent is finding the guys that fit well with your personality and understanding that there's guys out there that want to focus on that and they still can focus on that and still be successful in the NFL. I'm not saying just because you focus on that means you won't be, but so much of finding the right guys that fit with you and your personality is half the battle when it comes to recruiting guys.
1: Cyril's, you probably saw that in the locker room with guys that were uber talented, and in some instances uh, played okay. They were good enough to be in the league, and they were good enough to stay in the league for a while. But man, maybe the priorities got mixed up, so they they didn't hit that mountaintop. They didn't. They weren't as great as they could have been.
6: Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is. If you come into the league, you can survive your first year because everyone's drinking from a fire hose, right? You're a rookie trying to figure life out, and you can get by. But it's really that second, third, fourth year where you have to reinvent yourself and go back and self-scout and do so much on the football field that if you get to your after your rookie year, do you kind of think I've made it. That's you see guys just that don't have careers, right? Like my goal is I don't care if you're a first-round pick, PFA, sixth-round, whatever, well, I want to help you have a career in the NFL where we're talking second contract and that's where the money really starts to come. And so that's kind of where we focus on things. Uh, my partner's another former NFL player, Zach Zenner. He ran for a zillion yards against the Huskers when we played him here in, uh, I think it was 2012. Uh, he played five years in the league as a running back too. So we got a really good group put together and it's been really fun getting this thing off the ground.
1: Cyril's going to switch gears, talk some Nebraska football. What's, uh, what's your expectation Uh, for for whoever is Nebraska's next quarterback. And we spent the first segment talking about Casey Thompson and could he be Nebraska's version of what Russell Wilson did for Wisconsin. I know it's a large ask with what Russell did that first year at Wisconsin, but Casey's a good ball player and has uh, a, a lot of upside here. We don't know that he'll win the job. A lot of us think that he's the favorite to win the job. But overall, as you look at Nebraska here, what's your ask out of the quarterback spot?
6: Yeah, you know, I think it's really easy for a lot of people. Like, well, he's just another Adrian Martinez, right? And I think that's kind of what I've been hearing. But I think a lot that we have to remember is he's got a new O.C. He's got a new receivers coach here that everyone's new. And so everyone's building this thing from the ground up. And so I think it's really safe to expect good things out of Casey Thompson based off of what I saw against him last year. I know he didn't have the record, but man, he can sling it. He can run a little bit. He's mobile, which I think is really important in the Scott Frost Whipple offense, right? I think that that's still going to be a big part of it. And so I expect him to come out and have big expectations and big things, right? You don't transfer from a school like Texas to go sit at the bench somewhere. You transfer to go somewhere and contribute. And I think he saw the writing on the wall here of what this place could be, the opportunity. He bet on himself a little bit. And so I expect big things in the spring out of him, and I do. I expect big things out of Purdy too. You know, I, I think those two guys will push each other. I think they'll compete really well, and those continue to grow that quarterback room where there's some young guys in there. You got College Torres coming in as a freshman. Like, it's a crowded room, right? But that's all right. Don't shy away from competition. If you do, great. See ya. Like if you want to stay here and compete, you got some really good competition going in that room right now.
2: Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, obviously the additions at quarterback and wide receiver and running back are going to get all the headlines. Uh, but this offense can really only go as far as the offensive line takes them. And I just want to get your take on how big of a jump you think this offensive line can take in only one offseason.
6: You know, that's the part that I struggle with. You know, you, you want them to think that they're going to take these leaps and bounds, but you got to replace some pieces too, right? You lose Cam Juergens, your three-year starting center. And then you have to kind of, okay, what's next at center position, right? In my opinion, I think you need to move Turner Corcoran to center, which I've heard rumblings about because you know you have Teddy Prohaska coming back at left tackle. But the big question marks for me are right guard and right tackle. I think Henry Latowski is a guy that I keep hearing great things, and he's a young player, but his tremendous upside. But you look at the right tackle position, and Bryce Benhard didn't have a great year last year. That's not saying he can't turn around and have a great year this year, but. That's a glaring question mark, in my opinion, of, hey, who replaces or who is the starting right tackle? I think there'll be some good competition there. I think Brock Bando will get a couple looks. The transfer from Okie State might get a shot out there, too. You know, I think they're going to rotate some guys in there because that that was a piece that really hampered some stuff for us this year that we need to get fixed.
1: Searles, to the NFL we go, and let's go to your Bills. They beat Kansas City once. What makes you feel like they can – can, can be different in the postseason Allen's playing great give folks a little insight to Joshy and this bill squad I know you're 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 still connected with guys up there
6: yeah I mean I, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are as good if not a little bit better than they were last year but I think the bills are much better than they were last year and a lot of that has to do with I mean Josh Allen's maturity level and his play has just increased throughout the weeks right throughout the years, and I think that Buffalo's going to be a really motivated squad going in there, but Josh is just such a great leader. He's kind of a goofy dude. I mean, you heard Jordan Poyer when he was mic'd up, like, he's goofy as hell, which is kind of true. Uh, he's a goofy guy, but I mean, your his teammates just love the guy. I mean, because he'll put his body on the line, and he's the ultimate competitor. He's everything you want in a young quarterback in this NFL. Uber talented, all the charisma off the field, and he's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL for a
1: long time tell me what goofy means to you. We know what the the definition is, but when you say, all right, Cyril says goofy in a good way, give me an example or, or uh, how does that kind of endear him to his guys? The toughness? Yes, but personality is so important.
6: Yeah. I mean, he's kind of a little kid, like funny wise, right? (laughs) He likes little practical jokes and he likes messing with you and just little funny things where you're like, dude, this is a billion dollar organization that handed you to the keys of the car at 23 and said, don't wreck it. And you're doing great stuff. But like, you have to kind of remember till he's like 24 years old, right? Like he's going to be able to drink for like three years. Like he's still just kind of that goofy, funny kid that he loves to joke around, but that's kind of what makes him so great too, is like nothing really rattles him, right? Like he always kind of has that, here we go, roll with the punches, the ups and flows of a game of a season. Like, he's kind of steady Eddie and that his personality is just like that right it's not forced and so that's just kind of he's just a funny goofy like a guy you'd love to just go hang out with off the field too but then he can turn the switch and become the ultimate competitor at the same time and that's what I think is what makes him really really good
2: well well, Charles I think if you can take half of the internet making fun of your mustache before the season starts I think you can take anything during the season right?
6: Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like he, he owns that stuff, right? Like he does it, and Josh Allen looks great in shorts, right? He hikes his shorts up for the pictures type of stuff, and he does the the bar stool piece of it, and he's also professional. He's like, like he's got he wears many hats, but that's okay when you go out there and perform, which he's been able to do week in and week out, and now for pretty much two years, really consistently.
1: Any practical jokes pulled on you?
6: No, the the one funny Allen story I have is so him and Sam Darnold were rookies together, right? Sam Darnold with the Jets, See, for Christmas time, if you recall, Sam Darnold got all of his offensive linemen grill tools at that year's 2018. And I don't mean like a grill. I mean like spatula and tongs, right? Big no-no. Terrible gift. And so the offensive linemen for the Jets actually put Sam Darnold's car on blocks as like a joke, as I'm like, haha, not funny, get us a better gift. Well, Josh came up to me. He was a rookie. He was like, hey, Charles, come here. I was like, what's up, dude? He's like, hey, I got you guys all iPads. Like, is that a good enough gift, or like, you guys can put my car on blocks? So I was like, that's a good gift, Josh. you will be okay. Like, he was
0: was kind worried. of worried.
6: He, he just bought a new. He just bought a new Range Rover, and he was scared we we're gonna put his range up on blocks. So it was. It was pretty funny, but like, he's just a great kid.
1: Cincinnati, Tennessee, can Cincy keep the magic going? Can Zach Taylor uh, continue to, to to force that statue to be built?
6: I hope so, man. Joe Burrow is really fun to watch. Oh, Jamar God. Chase, like that's another young guy that's just going to be full of studs, right? But yeah. the thing for me is the X factor is like, is Derrick Henry back in midseason form or is he still a little rusty? Because if that dude comes back with some fresh legs in the playoffs, like look out any opposing defense that's beat up. And he's just kind of one of those physical phenoms that you're like, oh, he might just be fine because he's just a freak. So, I mean, that, that's going to be a great game to watch. But I really love watching Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and those guys throw the ball around.
1: They're fun, and that back shoulder is just undefeated. I mean, they're so good, no. and it's like telepathic.
6: Yeah, I mean, and you're like, okay, we got to Block tomorrow, Chase. Like, yeah, well, don't forget about T. Higgins over here. Like, he's pretty dang good, too. And then Uzma, that tight end's had a breakout. You're like, the weapons on that team have been good for so many years, but it's kind of like everything came together this year mm-hmm. perfectly for them at the right time.
1: Searles, our dear friend Brandon Vogel did an incredible piece in the latest Hale Varsity magazine, and he went through all the, the, the Big Ten games and, and kind of rated them on an entertainment scale, right? And we get into some of the series uh, of of opponents. Was there a a team during your time at Nebraska – games against X say Michigan State or Iowa or Northwestern or what 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 opponent was kind of the most memorable series in your career
6: you know for me the most memorable for me is kind of weird right I did two years in the big 12 three years in the big 10 so yeah. it was kind of weird that was when we were still that stupid legend leaders thing uh-huh. but for me it was, it was always Wisconsin okay and I mean because it was for me it was like we go to Wisconsin first big 10 game ever, everyone's juice game baby we just get blown out right and then the next year they come to us, I think they came to us and, and we won at home with, with, like, Joel Stavi. And then we get blown out against them in the conference championship. Like, it just was always it felt like they were the rival for me when I was in school.
1: Okay. And, yeah, and, and yeah had that Nebraska-Wisconsin tie. And you, uh, they, they just, they've had Nebraska's number, man. Maybe they'll. Right. Maybe Nebraska will will flip it around uh, eventually.
6: Well, I think a lot of it too is like everyone was like, "Well, Nebraska out Nebr or Wisconsin out in Nebraska, Nebraska." Mm-hmm. Right, and that always kind of like stuck in me. Like I didn't like that, like because they're like, "Oh, they're more physical." They're like all that stuff, and like that that's stuck in my craw. Like I hated that, so I always had a little bit more juice to go against those guys
1: too. Well, I I, I bet uh, we were talking and. I think the Michigan State series, man, has always been kind of crazy. And then just weird with Northwestern. Northwestern games yeah. have always been just weird. with Between the Hail Mary and then the upset and even 2018 with you're up by 10 with three minutes left and then you lose in overtime. And So, Searles, I want you to have safe travels. Give the best to, to your family. And uh, keep grinding, brother. Thanks for a few minutes today.
6: Yeah, hey, absolutely great catching up with you guys as always. Go Big Red.
1: There he is, Jeremiah Searles with us, our favorite sideline man and uh, agent. And, of course, uh, Searles, a uh, longtime NFL vet uh, member, uh, proud dude uh, with the Bills Mafia, former Buffalo Bill, former Charger, and former Minnesota Viking. We'll dive into some quarterback thoughts with Gary Barnett. Speaking of
2: quarterbacks, do you want to see the hear the crazy stat I heard about Tom Brady yesterday? If he were to win out this uh, postseason if he were to win the next three games win the Super Bowl he himself would have more playoff wins than every other franchise in the NFL he's there he already leads several teams he, he, only like three teams are ahead of him and all of them are out of the playoffs except for the Packers who lead him by one total franchise playoff wins leading by one so if he
1: wins out he will overtake the Packers well that's that's the the showdown isn't it I mean if, if both teams do their job you get 2.0 of that uh, again, in Lambeau. Uh, good stuff from Searles. Gary Barnett next. It's Hale Varsity Radio.
5: Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR.
0: And we're back. Fellas, so, think we could listen to the radio? Listen. On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome.
1: Back with you, Tail Bar Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's say hi to the Hall of Fame coach, Gary Barnett, with us as we are into uh, the recruiting season and uh, some NFL, obviously. Coach, how's the week been? Thanks for the time.
7: Uh, the week's been, uh, it's been good, Chris. Just watching everything from afar, uh, you know, being sort of um, uh, hooked into Colorado a little bit. We've had a bunch of bad news as far as fans are concerned. We just had a bunch of guys going to portal. We've had 21 guys now going to portal since the uh, uh season and we've had uh, i think 18 since the end of the season so of which about seven are starters so it's you know it's frustrating watching it all especially from a distance and not having to do you know no control that we have and you know, the optics on it aren't good. So you're sort of caught up in that. But, uh, you know, it's somebody else's problem and not mine
1: now. So uh, it's a little easier to take. You, you mentioned seven starters and some some really talented skill guys and obviously some, some players that have been difference makers. And, you know, we, we get into this from time to time. But, but what do you do in today's era, Coach, as you've got to recruit new, keep old, and always keep an eye on the portal? I mean, it is a twenty four seven situation for college football coaches now.
7: It is, and, and as you look at it, is <clears throat> you know we were, I was having this discussion with a friend last night, and I said, you know, as bad as it is for coaches, it is also good for coaches because it gives you a chance to get guys out of your program that um, you, you hope you you know that you either made a mistake on or there's an issue of some sorts that uh, you, you know are, create headaches. So it works both ways a little bit, not as much for you as against you, I think depends on where you are. But, um, you know, I, I, like I've, I've said a million times already, and, and I know we shared on this show is I think the guys at the very top are, 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 are really profiting by it. Maybe the guys at the very bottom and, and all the guys in between are trading each other's problems. One, one, one sort of or one kind of a problem or another. So it's, I think vetting in this whole deal is uh, really important.
1: That's just it. And what was what was your vetting process like? And I want to go to the quarterback position because that's that's your make or break on offense. And Nebraska did a really nice job of vetting um, Casey Thompson. And there's been conversations that Casey had. There's relationships that. Uh, Kenny Wilhide, who's been tremendous for Nebraska, and also Mickey Joseph had with with uh, with Charles Thompson. So that that was some familiarity and a, a situation where everyone felt pretty comfortable going in. And, and I think this can be pretty big for Nebraska. Uh, and then also the you know the the Purdy acquisition was was finalized on Monday. And I know right. he's he's a long term guy uh and uh that'll be big but you know talk to me a minute about coach banker in this whole process with vetting with an eye for talent and then when it comes to to the grooming part
3: well i think
7: everybody goes into the vetting process with with a different approach you know it it, it just depends on your a little bit of where you are a little bit on uh what happens if this does this doesn't work do you have a plan um you know how critical is it that this this vetting process is has got to be perfect. You know, I mean, it, it, I think every situation's a little bit different, and every position's a hair different. So it's it, it's not one constant you can do. And I, again, it comes down to your philosophy. And you know, I I always wanted a locker room that was solid and had leadership. And I I really, in my mind, put a lot of um, weight on the attitude of my locker room. And so I wanted to know where this was going to fit in. I also put, normally I put a lot of uh, uh, pressure, not pressure, but a lot of, uh, I took a lot from what our players Mm -hmm. said about the player when he came in. I made one mistake, one big mistake over the years. I, I took a player because of my ego and didn't listen to my players and you know what he left in a year and not that that's all bad but uh, I did want to give him a chance I wanted to try to make it work but I sort of should have known that I didn't have much of a chance going in just based on what the players who who recruited him told me so that's that's really important is how the player does he fit into our group you know is he uh, but, but that goes back to my philosophy about, about a locker room mm-hmm. And, you know, I was not real willing to take a chance on somebody that I thought there was a character issue with, but everybody's a little different. Some people live and die by, by fixing guy's character, you know, looking at somebody and saying, yeah, he's got this issue, but I can, I can, I know I can fix this. I know I can handle it. Some of that's your ego saying you can do that. And some of it is just, you know, your history that you've, you've been able to do it through the years. So everything's a little bit different I always wanted to go into the home I wanted to see how they reacted with their parents I wanted to be with them in school I wanted to go around down the hallway with them to see who they talked to and what their teachers had to say about them um, and then the, the other thing was the other coaches in the league I always always relied on uh, uh, you know talking to the other coaches and that that played this game this particular player either in college or high school. So, or junior college. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I just try to get all I could and then make the best decision I could.
1: Gary Barnett's with us here at City Radio. Coach, in, in your years, what assistant coach or uh, member of your staff was a wonderful voice to listen to that the best word I can come up with is challenge you. And it wasn't in a disrespectful way, but it, the checks and balances that are necessary. Who was a guy that was a great checks and balance guy for you as the head guy?
7: Well, first of all, I didn't want a yes, man. I yes. didn't want one. It, it just wasn't going to get us any better. Uh, so I wanted to be challenged. And, you know, I, I remember shooting my mouth off in a meeting about a uh, a couple of kids that we'd recruited. And Tom McMahon, bless his heart and rest his soul, just shot back at me just like he should have. And uh, I was humbled. And I, I felt <laughs> so – I just did. I said, why did you ever let that happen? And Tom was right. Um, you know – Um, uh, I don't know. Sean Watson was really good at it. Mm -hmm. Um, Tom Cable, no question about it. Um, You know, I I had a lot of good coaches through the years, and and every one of them, I hope, felt like they could tell me what they thought I should hear. Now, uh, you know, there was a couple that didn't, but, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, I think that happened.
1: Gary Barnett with us, Hail Varsity Radio. Coach, get a look at some of the quarterbacks that are in the NFL and uh, that are playing this weekend. Joe Burrow, of course, doing some big-time things in Cincy. Zach Taylor, people are smiling here in Lincoln with what Zach's done. Josh Allen, of course, uh, from Wyoming. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick uh, Mahomes, and, and Tom Brady. Did you cross paths with any of these kids? Did you ever recruit any of them? Or no friends that have?
7: Um. No, not really. I'm trying to think. You know, I wouldn't have been around Brady. Any of those get. Um, you know, I, you know, I know that you know the Joe Burrow story is Ooh. well known. The Mahomes story, is well known. Um, yeah, you know, Tom Brady and I are about the same age. So I'm surprised I didn't run into <laughs> same, him at least
1: same coaching golf, against him. Same I think golf I coached against him.
7: <laughs> <laughs> and so uh but no, this is an interesting group of quarterbacks and it just shows you how important the quarterback is at this point in time. Josh Allen, you know, is a great story and up in Wyoming and an unrecruited player and so um you know, that to me, that's a great story, and as I watch things, he is a rising star, boy. That dude is really good.
1: He can ball. Yeah. Is, there, is Oh, man. Is
7: that there... first touchdown pass he threw last week was unbelievable. Just an incredible throw. And uh, falling out of bounds down about the 15-yard line, making that throw in the snow and the rain. And mm-hmm. Not snow, but the cold. So,
1: what's, uh, a lot what's of good the, guys. What's the best quarterback you've seen? Ever. Like either coached against or, or coached.
7: Well, in college it was Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. I, I Andrew Luck was now I saw Andrew Moore as I started um um doing broadcasting, but I saw a lot of his games and when I asked about who's who which quarterback is most ready to go to the NFL. Of all the quarterbacks, I thought he was the most ready. Peyton Manning was uh, coaching against Peyton Manning was an absolute nightmare, and <laughs> he was such a good player. And he was just like he is now in college, and he was take control guy. He was, you know, he he was really good. Um, you know, I I Drew Brees played Drew Brees when he was a freshman and a sophomore, and his freshman year we beat Drew Brees. I turn I told my coaches on the way home. I said, "We got him this year, but we ain't ever getting this guy again." I can tell you, he's really good. So it's a lot. Of, a lot of good players, guys. I don't know. There's so many. Been so many good ones that you admire.
1: Mm-hmm. So Gary Barnett, with us, Hale Varsity Radio coach, will let you go uh, after this. Um, do you have uh, any picks for the weekend? Do you, do you feel like going in on the NFL? You,
7: you know, I at this level right here um i don't i i it's it should be a crapshoot on every single game um i like i think buffalo is the sleeper uh, i really do and i think i think uh los angeles uh the rams are are a sleeper as well that that getting that kid back at running back and with those two great players on defense and a quarterback playing at the level he is, I think that's a really good football team. I, you know those two teams, and I think the Packers. You know you got to go with the Packers, but just because of Aaron Rodgers. But and then you know the Chiefs. I'd say th- I still think Patrick Mahomes may be the best quarterback playing the game right now.
1: He is incredible, and he's got such ability and weapons. And then you look at the fit with that ability and the weaponry. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's pretty incredible. Uh, any ribs this weekend, yay or nay?
7: I'm trying to make that decision. Uh, I may hold off on the ribs till next week, but this would be a good week to do it. So I've got, I've got, you know what? I've got to pull them out of the freezer tonight if I'm going to do
1: okay. it. Okay. So well, I'm
7: it. glad you reminded me. Thanks for
1: reminding me. We need you to send a pick again. I mean, we need monthly picks from Coach <laughs> Barnett's uh, ribs. Coach, you have a good weekend. Well, Chris,
7: before we leave, just congratulations on on uh, your award. That's oh, awesome. thanks, Coach. Proud of you, man.
1: I can't thank you enough for the years of uh, putting up with me on Thursdays, man. So it's uh, it's much appreciated.
7: <laughs> it's always fun.
1: Take care, Coach.
7: All right. Bye, Chris.
1: Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, Magazine, or annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR.
0: It sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut preteen Swedish boy.
1: Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for Burke's Best Bets, Daddy Burke, with Veasan Sports Network at Danny Burke Five on Twitter. The Pride of Chicago as your playoff uh, locks this weekend, Daddy. Uh, what a slate! I know a lot of blowouts last weekend, aside from. The Vegas game against Cincinnati, and how about them Bengals? They're, uh, well, they're, st- they're still alive in the playoffs, and uh, first weight in 31 years, and now they get to travel to the one-seed Tennessee, man, and uh, right now the uh, Titans at minus three and a half. What do you like about this game, either who you siding with or in-game prop, or how you feeling here as we get this kicked off?
3: Yeah, how about it, Schmitty? Zach Taylor, uh, almost as impressive as uh, you, Schmitty, with your major award, just like in a (laughs) Christmas story. So first and foremost, got to give you major props. Well-deserved. You are the man and the voice of Husker sports in Lincoln. You are the GOAT in LNK. But moving on to the Raiders and the Bengals, my friend, this game is just making me scratch my head so much because I really like Cincinnati in this spot, Schmitty. My fear is that looking at the Bengals, it's almost like they might be like a public dog, right? Because this is kind of like almost a recency type of of affair where, you know, you saw Cincinnati do really well against the Raiders. Except the thing is, like, I I don't feel like that was shocking. So I, I was kind of more so expecting that going into that game. And the Bengals have shown they can, they can hang with the big boys, right? I mean, that game against Kansas City, I think, proves that they can be a legit contender. And I have knocked Cincinnati a couple of times this season. They just keep doing better and better than I expect. And I think that could be the result of this game. Now, maybe they don't win it. Maybe Tennessee does prove to be the better team, better defense, better coach, and the rest is in favor of them. But if you're giving me three in the hook over the key number of three, Schmitty, I think I just got to take it with the Bengals. I think I got to trust Joe Burrow and assume that their defense – or excuse me, their offense with the weapons they have can expose Tennessee's defense enough. And I guess the one benefit, too – to Cincinnati is that maybe Tennessee does control some of the momentum in this game, but a lot of their control comes on the ground. So it's not going to be like big, explosive, consistent passing plays, we assume. I mean, they have great receiving threats with A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, but we know they love to focus on that ground attack. So maybe that will give you more incentive to take the three and the hook with the Bengals because that's the way I got to lean for this matchup.
2: Danny, good stuff there. Let's move to Saturday night at Lambeau. we got the Packers hosting the 49ers. This is a rematch from earlier in the year. Uh, it was back in, uh, I think, week three. The Packers beat the 49ers 30-28. to 28. Now we get a rematch. But uh, as we all know, all that uh, regular season stuff gets thrown out in the playoffs. The Packers are a five-and-a-half-point favorite.
3: Yeah, so the thing to keep an eye out for for this game is the status of Jimmy Garoppolo. He already had his injury before the postseason with his finger, and now we've heard that he's got the issue with the shoulder that he got banged up against the Cowboys, and they're being very discreet about it naturally like you assume they would. I'm kind of leaning toward more so the side that he's not going to be 100% healthy, and realistically, even if he is, You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is a sufficient quarterback, but he's not necessarily the guy that's going to win you the game. It's going to be the scheming of Kyle Shanahan and his coaching staff, or Shanahan and his coaching staff. Uh, It's going to be the defense up front, and it's going to be that running game. So with the spread, I'm so torn on this. I think maybe the best way to approach that would just be to tease down Green Bay if you're seeing a six and – hope that they can win it outright because San Francisco's liability defensively is their secondary, so at some point or another, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are going to have their connections and expose them. And then when you look at the other side for San Fran, I I wouldn't be surprised if they keep it close because, well, their philosophy is they want to run the ball. And I think the biggest example of what they can do, look at a couple of games. On the side of San Francisco, that game primetime where there were three-and-a-half-point dogs to the Los Angeles Rams, everybody, including myself, was on L.A., and the 49ers just running the ball, running the ball, and just absolutely dominated the line of scrimmage and pounded them that game. And you saw what force they have on that side of the ball. I think they do the same thing here against Green Bay because you take, for example, that game against Cleveland, who were trailing when they were trying to pass it. Well, they go to the ground attack. Green Bay's got the 28th-ranked DVOA run defense. That's the page out of the playbook that you can keep it close with Green Bay. Maybe not beat them, but keep it close. So with all of that said, Jimmy Garoppolo's status up in the air. The defense will do well enough against Rodgers, barring a couple big plays, and the 49ers will wind down the clock with the running game. I like this total to go under. I bought it up to 48 when it was at 47.5, so I paid like minus 118. I would still play it at 47, but maybe try to get that hook, but I think it's going to be the lower-scoring game, probably the lowest one out of all the matchups, and that would be my best bet for this game, to bet the total
1: under. Danny Burke with his VEASAN Sports Network had Danny Burke 5, his show Rush Hour And, of course, the Danny Burke Daily Podcast, Rams-Tampa, another rematch, and uh, the Rams flexing all over Tampa early in the year. Do you like the Rams to keep the momentum, or do you think Tampa's going to do Tampa things and get back to another conference title game?
3: You know, we talk about public dogs, and I think this is going to be one of them, Schmitty, with everybody going on the ramp. And i got to disagree, actually. I think I'm going to trust Tom Brady here. And, look, I liked the Bucks a lot last year. We bet them to win the NFC at 7-1 when people kind of forgot about them. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not as infatuated with them at this point because, of, like you said, the injuries they've dealt with. But defensively, they got a lot healthier. And offensively, the one injury that's the concern is worse on the offensive front, he's questionable, so we'll keep an eye on that. I'm waiting for this line to get down to like two and a half, and then I might just play the Bucks outright on the money line. You take into consideration what happened with the Rams against the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury's been abysmal in the latter half of all of his seasons going back to college. They clearly were not ready for that game. That's not to discredit anything that the Rams did. It's just Stafford really didn't have to do anything to impress them. I mean, he only had like, what, 20 pass attempts or something like that? the Bucks will be different. They make their opponents throw the most on average in the NFL. And if you look at the sample size of what Stafford was playing like toward the end of the season, the last four or five games, it was no bueno. So I'm going to trust Tom Brady and that coaching staff over the Rams that, yeah, maybe more talented at this point. But hard to go against Brady. They play a lot better at home. And I think we're forgetting how the Rams were at the end of the season and taking too much into account of how they did against the Cardinals. So give me bucks on the money line.
1: All right. It's going to be rocketed Arrowhead. Revenge for Kansas City. Or do you like uh, Josh Allen?
3: Oh, man. This one is it's so tough. I might just sit back and relax because what I did before the postseason, Schmitty, is I took both flyers on their Super Bowl futures. I had Buffalo 8-1, Kansas City plus 425 with the assumption that this was going to be the matchup and whoever wins this game will go on to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. So then at that point, I'm like, all right, well, I'll either hedge, I'll sit back and relax in the Super Bowl. You know, I'll, I'll have plenty of options on what to do with a better belly before the postseason started than right before the Super Bowl. But in terms of this game, I mean, we saw Buffalo take care of business the last time at Arrowhead. It's so tough to beat a team twice, let alone twice on the road and against Patrick Mahomes. But the Bills, to me, are compared to the two past Super Bowl winners. Two years ago, Kansas City touted as a favorite. People forgot about them in December, and they end up going on to win it. Last season, just alluded to Tampa Bay, people forgot about them. That's why I got the good value on them to win the NFC. They win the Super Bowl that is buffalo to me this season everybody loved them going into it and everyone's like ah Buffalo's kind of in shambles really volatile you can't trust them you saw how they dismantled the patriots when it wasn't a crazy weather game twice i think they have the star power offensively and the number one defense in the league so if you're giving me points with buffalo i think i gotta lean in that direction
2: danny about 10 seconds left here uh, aside from the nfl state we also have a ufc event this weekend are you, are you watching that at all
3: Uh, I know. I'm going to have to get involved with Ngannou, I think. But everybody's betting the other way with that other guy. I can't remember his name, but I'm going to have to do a little bit more research tomorrow. But it's hard to go against Ngannou, that's for sure.
2: ghani has got that technical ability, and Ngannou's got the knockout power. So I'm going Ngannou.
3: Yeah, hard to disagree, my friend. Hard to disagree. Should be a fun one regardless.
1: Danny Burke with us. Burke's best bets. Danny, have a good weekend. Thanks for the time, man. Hey, you guys are the best. Take care.
5: Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR.
0: We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
1: One final time, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Awesome stuff today. Jeremiah Searles on the NFL, on being an agent, on Josh Allen, <laughs> making sure his linemen treat him right. That'll be on the ESPN Lincoln SoundCloud. Uh, wonderful stuff from Brandon Vogel in his project on Hail Varsity, going through all the Big Ten ball games for Nebraska. And the the, the the memorable factor here and some craziness to think about there. Uh believe it or not, I do know today that Nebraska basketball is in COVID pause for the men for Saturday. So yes, that game I know, Elijah, is is paused, which is which is big. Good work. Yeah, right? Doing your job. <laughs> Doing your job. Gary Barnett on on quarterbacking uh, and uh, Danny Burke with Best Bets. Tomorrow we'll dive a little further into the Gretna decision. Check that the NSA's decision to vacate Gretna's football championship. A lot of outrage, and understandably so, with that from folks up. My brother's in the Gretna district, and uh, folks are absolutely fired up about it. So we'll have some thoughts on that. Jacob Padilla will join us. He'll preview the weekend of prep basketball. Bill Dolman, Pratt of Fairbury, will talk some Huskers and uh, some NFL with us. A reminder to get buckled up. Your friends at the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Hands on the wheel, eyes and mind straight ahead. The driver has one job to drive. And this message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. I uh I just if, if it comes down to a situation where you have a kid who's a junior who transferred from Papio South to Gretna cuz mom and dad are separated and they didn't have legal documentation of it that shouldn't cost a school and a community a championship now if you're the NSAA and you're up to your ears in transfers and the climate that exists in in sports, where you've got team hopping and you need to shut it down. This is your. I'm not saying they did this, but this is your window to make an example of somebody. But I just I feel for the kid in this situation. Oh, because... oh the family. I mean, the the kid's going through a situation exactly. where it's it's a separation that sucks.
2: He had to make the very tough choice to leave his to school. Live who am I going to live with? And he chose to go live with his father, which meant he had to leave his school and go find a new school, step into a new environment. And one of the places that you, you go find uh, camaraderie and go find new friends at a new school is you go join the football team. You go join a you go join a team just in general, and you go make friends there. And and now he's getting punished and losing a state title because of that. It's it's awful.
1: It's not the kid's fault, and I just you wonder who started the ball rolling on this investigation, right? And I started the show off saying there's two reasons you lose or you vacate wins. Kid's too old or he's ineligible academically. Failed too many courses. Well, this is the third, the domicile situation. So enjoy your Thursday. Great basketball tonight. Connor Clark here on ESPN Lincoln. Mozi over on KFOR with Southwest and Northeast. Talk to you tomorrow at 4.
2: A Media Production.